0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned to the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Ba- Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway. For the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLING. This is Basketball Gold with Fertello and Phelps. Mike Fertello, Jeff Phelps. Mike just called the two-overtime game second-highest game in NBA history, point-total-wise. Kings beating the Clippers, 176-175. When you hear two overtimes, Mike, the immediate reaction is, well, okay, well, it was double overtime. No wonder you scored a lot of points. But what gets me is the game was tied at 153 after regulation. That, that was tough, and it made me think, what's going on with scoring this year? Is it, is it as up as it feels like it is to me? So a little research here, courtesy of our friends at basketballreference.com, point totals right now in the NBA, teams are averaging 114.4 points a game, which makes it the ninth highest scoring average per team in NBA history, ninth all time. And I think that's saying something, but I'm not exactly sure why and what, you know, I, I know you, you know, you can't check guards like you used to. You got to keep your hands to yourself.
0: What more is feeding into this, Mike? Well, that's a big, big thing you just said there about the the rules where you can't put your hands on guys because, you know, back in the old days when the game was allowed to be more physical, you'd get up, you had hand checking, you put a forearm in on a guy that you're trying to guard and, if you're stronger, you can drive more for his course, no direct line drives to the basket, uh all that kind of thing. But that's gone now. Uh, they wanted like football, move move lines on the field. And hmm. uh now base now baseball. Okay, we have the uh how many seconds you, you're allowed to take between 15. pitches it's 15. 15 and 20, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and then, now catchers don't even give signals anymore between their legs, they tap buttons and the buttons go into an earpiece. So it's for a former catcher, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I don't see them putting numbers down there, fists down there, right side of the leg, left side of the leg. That was fun, Mike. Not, a, not anymore. I know. <laughs> but what, what's happened in basketball is they wanted more points scored. Then this thing came in of pace and tempo. What's pace? What's tempo? Uh, basically what they're saying is they wanted the game sped up and more guys felt that if we play at at higher speed, we can involve more people in the lineup because they're going to need breaks sooner and not play guys as many minutes perhaps, which eventually would not wear them down as frequently. Right. Uh, and while all this is going on, we also have workload management and then we have salaries going up. Let's just keep that in mind. That's another topic for another day. But that's why we're seeing the scoring increase and the use of the three-point shot being as prevalent as it is now Uh, In that game, I don't know if you have that box score right in front of you, Jeff, uh, Jeff, of the Clippers versus Sacramento, but I believe, if I remember, 45 three-pointers for one team and 41 three-pointers for the other team. I'm trying Uh to remember. I think that's a total of 86 three-pointers. If you ever find it, see how close I am to remember. It was four days, four days ago maybe that we did that.
1: 41 three-point attempts by Sacramento. 45, very very well done, sir, by the Los go. Angeles Clippers. And, and the Clippers hit 26 of them. So they shot 58% on three-pointers.
0: Shooting it was incredible for both teams yeah. during the entire game. It may have cooled off a little bit as they went into double overtime, but the entire game, both teams are shooting around 60, 62, 64% from well, the floor.
1: And they finished there. Kings were at 58.6%. Clippers were at 60.2%. Is that because they're hot, Mike, or is there no defense in this game? You you called it.
0: What I said on the broadcast was, and the story is true, it's hard to really say there's no defense here because that's not necessarily the case. It's that they come back at you so fast. Hmm. Sacramento is in the top five teams, maybe top three teams now, in the league at how quickly they get shots up. How much time is left on the 24 second clock when they take a shot there with Sacramento? It's 15 seconds is still left wow. on the 24 second shot. That's what they're averaging right now. So you realize that you've got to get back and you've got to get back so quickly. and You've got to regroup and be compact because their drivers and slashers like the Aaron Fox are getting in the lane unless you keep them out by being compact and getting back. Compound that whole situation by turnovers. You have no chance of getting back and defending them. You turn the ball over against them. Your live ball turnovers. They're at the other end of the floor. You got two guys back against three or four, and they're getting high percentage shots. When they're making threes like that, it's a problem to play good defense.
1: Mike Brown's time in Golden State apparently has really affected him. Right? He was a we we knew him as a defensive minded coach when he was in Cleveland. Sitting here with Steve Kerr for all that time, apparently some of that offensive philosophy has rubbed off a little bit.
0: There's no question. And Mike is – a, and that's the sign of a great coach. If you have the flexibility to change what you once were with one group of people to a different group of people and take advantage, why could nobody else up until Mike Brown get this team of talented players to win? They've made a couple of trades, adjustments, tinkered with the roster – did a nice job on that first round pick they had last year. I think it was number 13, was their first round pick. He gave Murray. But, yeah. And now here comes Mike Brown in and go back to exhibition season and go back to the beginning of the seasons. Jeff, they did not get off to the best start. And people going, here uh, you go again with the Sacramento. <laughs> they're going to be the bottom of the league again. But Mike Brown's philosophy, Mike Brown's principles, you had to give him a chance to sit in with the, you know, these guys are seeing new coaches every year and a half, two years. So now Mike Brown comes in and it took him a while to sink in, but you can see it taking place now. You can see what they're about offensively, what they're trying to do and defensively they'll get better and better. It's a young group uh, being coached extremely well right now.
1: And they're sitting third right now in the Western Conference. They're seven games behind Denver, as we speak.
0: Wow. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, One one
1: last thing I want to drop in to basketball gold here. Uh, You worked with Joe Prunty coaching international ball. Joe was an assistant in Cleveland. I got to know him really well. Uh, When the Hawks decided to move on from Nate McMillan, Joe uh, was given the interim job. They beat Milwaukee. Or, excuse me, they, they came up with two wins. And it follows up his time in Milwaukee, where he took over for Jason Kidd. And they went 21-16 and 16 in Milwaukee. They got into the playoffs as a seven seed, took the number two seed Celtics down to a seven-game series. Uh, they lost it in seven. And now 2-0 and in Atlanta. Personally, I, I hope Joe gets the chance that I think he deserves to one day be a head coach in the NBA. And maybe just by coaching Atlanta in two very impressive wins, and being the bridge then between Nate McMillan and looks like Quinn Snyder, you know, maybe Joe gets a little recognition and gets a shot, Mike, because I know we both feel very, uh, very highly about Joe Prunty.
0: Well said. And and look, look, let's let's be real here. OK, they just didn't think of Quinn Snyder uh, two days after they had fired Nate McMillan. That was the first time they had him in mind. So who knows if there was any dialogue before that? Uh, who knows? if they had had discussions, and oftentimes teams will tell the, the leading candidate, the guy that they want, um, look, we're going to make a move here. It's inevitable. It doesn't matter what you say. We've made up our mind that we're going to make a move. We're just thinking about when to do it. Would you be interested in this job? You know, and and that's what happens a lot in the league, so they try to feel the guy out that they want. Yeah. And if they knew that, and that's the direction they were going in, Uh, for Joe Plunty, he went in and did what he had to do. He's asked to go from one seat as the assistant, move over, and now you're going to be the interim head coach. If that had not happened, if it was legitimately a search where they were going to interview four or five, six people for the job, Joe may have won enough games where after four or five of the interviews, they may have said, hold on a sec, let's watch this guy here that we have already. He's already here. And – you know, you're going to get feedback then from the players. The players are going to say, hey, "We like this guy. This guy, you know, this this guy would be perfect for us." It's just that it happened too soon. And and as great a job as Joe did, he just didn't really get a fair chance there uh, to step into that spot. But uh, Joe Brunty's an excellent excellent coach. Besides the years that I had known him in the NBA, uh, where he's been an assistant alongside some outstanding head coaches, I then faced him. Uh, when I was coaching the Ukrainian national team in the European Championships, and Joe was coaching Great Britain.
1: Yeah, he was coaching the English team.
0: And we, uh, I, I, I believe there was one year that we faced each other. There our game between us. The winner of that game decided who moved on. And you know we were fortunate at that time. But Joe does an outstanding job. He's a, and and when I coached Team USA, Joe was my assistant on Team USA. And ironically, hold on, i Lower this down. There, you it. there. Oh, it's oh, right. Just have to have it on right there. <laughs> there. There it is. So it's fabulous. He, he was uh, he was one of the assistants on, and and w- was wonderful in the preparation and the scouting reports on our opponent. So I'm really, as you are, I'm really happy for it.
1: And we both really hope he gets uh, a well-deserved opportunity to be a head coach full time in the NBA. So Joe, we're pulling for you. Uh, well done, sir. Please. Try to avoid high-scoring games in the NBA. It's, it's just a long night for you. You don't need that. And then if you're going to be in bad weather, just keep sleeping on those airplanes, okay? Sleep,
0: sleep right through the storm, right? <laughs> That's all we want, Mike. We what? want you for the next basketball gold. My partners couldn't figure out why I was chastising them. You know, I said, you didn't even wake me up. I, I wouldn't have had a chance to say goodbye to you if that guy didn't get the engine to start back up.
1: Thank you. Uh, we can laugh about it now. Thank God nothing happened. Yep. Um, he's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps, and this has been Basketball Gold. Thank you for listening. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Bedway.com. Betway for the
0: sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER.